Welcome to What Is Your Bitcoin Story podcast with your host, Gigi. This is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency through the personal experiences and stories of those who have taken the dive down the rabbit hole. We explore Bitcoin stories with a diverse range of guests, from early adopters, miners, maximalists, and traders. So join us on this exciting journey of past, present, and future Bitcoin, one story at a time. Most coins only make everyone else's coins worth slightly more. Think of it as a donation to everyone. Satoshi Nakamoto. Welcome back to What Is Your Bitcoin podcast, where we discuss all things Bitcoin with our fascinating guests sharing their stories on how they got orange-pilled and how that's impacted their lives. Now, today's guest, we have with us PG, who has been a longtime enthusiast, evangelist, early investor and a miner of Bitcoin. And it's with my pleasure to have PG as our first guest pod, a guest on our podcast. PG, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. So as the name of the podcast goes, what is your Bitcoin story? I guess uh, the question is, what is your Bitcoin story? And where does it start? I guess it's a few years back. It's a few years back. It was uh, back in 2012. Uh, back in the day, I just uh, heard about Bitcoin. It was um, part of our discussion with some friends of mine back in the day. And if I was trying to get a hold of some Bitcoins, back then it was almost impossible. I didn't know how, couldn't find a way how. So the next best idea was to buy some equipment and uh, be able to mine Bitcoin at home. This was, sorry, what year are we talking about more than that? 2012. Okay. 2012. So, so a decade ago. More than a decade. More than a decade ago. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I, I did some research into the mining equipment. Um, together with a friend, we found a company in China. Uh, it was called Black Arrow. So we ordered this really high-spec high uh, ASIC miners that uh, they were supposed to be in, uh, in concert. You know, they were going to be developed within the next uh, six months or so, and we were gonna, they were going to ship it to us. Mm. So I put the order in, uh, sent the money over to Black Arrow in China, uh, and I was waiting for the miners. But the miners were taking uh, too long to, to arrive. So at that point, uh, I found out about Mount, Co Mount Cox and uh, I sent some money also there. I bought some Bitcoins, so I had them on the exchange. Back then, you didn't have all these uh, fancy hardware wallets. I was, in, I was just a newbie. And no KYC, right? I sell no KYC, yeah. So uh, I left my Bitcoins in Mount Cox. Yeah. Uh, at that time, finally, the miners arrived. Uh, around, uh, I think it was 14 or 15 months after we put wow. our order in. So most likely what happened, uh, these guys, they got our money, they developed uh, the miners, but instead of sending it to us, they started mining with our money, with our machines. So yeah, when I, when I got the miners eventually, 
the difficulty had already risen. Mm. So all the forecasts and all the projections we're making about buying buying those miners with such a high uh, hash rate uh, capacity, let's say, mm. um, that wasn't the, the case. So our plan derailed a little bit, but uh, nonetheless, I, I started mining. Um, I used to have uh, solar panels. Mm. So I could use that energy to subsidize the, the Bitcoin mining. And uh, yeah, uh, long story short, uh, with the mining, uh, I started mining in 2013 up until 2015. Mm. And uh, I managed to mine around uh, eight and a half Bitcoins. Mm. Uh, at that time also, Bitcoin's price started to go up. So I thought, okay, let's capitalize on the investment. So I took some profit, I took some profits. Uh, I thought it was a good idea back then, but yeah, you know, Bitcoin was such an early experiment. Uh, we didn't expect it to to grow this much back in the day. Mm. So I, I took some profits. Uh, back to Mount Cox. Yeah, the was my question. Yeah, the coins that I had there, uh, they were also you know they got hacked, uh, stolen, mm. and uh, I think it was around six and a half bitcoins I had there. Oh wow! It was the extra bitcoins that I bought, not yeah. even the mining. And uh, yeah, that's six and a half bitcoins. Today's um, in today's compensation plan that they have, uh, that's. Uh, approximately, uh, I believe is 0.15 Bitcoins that I should expect back. Something like that. Really? Yeah. No, no, sorry, sorry. It's more than that. It's like, I believe it's 15% of the amount. So it's around, yeah, it's 0.72 BTC and 0.72 Bitcoin Cash. Bitcoin. Yes, because of the fork. So I'm entitled to that. Anyway, uh, I haven't still not received anything from Mt. Cox. Uh, hopefully we'll see some... Uh... Eight years later, nine years later. Not... Yes, yeah, yeah. uh, it's been... Uh, I think it was active back in 2014. Uh, yeah, 14, if I memory doesn't cool me. So yeah, after all this time, we still haven't really seen... We haven't seen anything from those Bitcoins. Well, um, okay. So, so but going back to the... What was the reason for you stopping the, the mining? The mining... So that that's actually a fun story because um, I was uh, yeah I was mining um, as I said the the Bitcoin hash rate uh, started to go up and up so the miners were not performing as they as they were before so one of the solutions was to overclock the miners so we tweaked a little bit with the settings we overclocked them and uh, we started mining a little bit more. But uh, there's a big but there because when the electricity bill arrived, it was in the house. Big surprise! It was in the thousands. Yeah, so they were consuming so much electricity. So it used all the solar energy, and then it was using of the I mean the grid energy. energy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 yes. So you have this net metering system. Okay. Uh, anyway, we had a huge problem with the, with the electricity bill back then. Of course, the electricity uh, bill was much higher than what you were mining, right? Yeah, the rewards. Yeah, with with uh, back the price, yeah, yeah the price of Bitcoin back then. Uh, so we decided, I decided to switch off the miners yeah. and see what I'm gonna do with the electricity bill. We we found a solution, uh, you know, some kind of settlement with the electricity authority, <laughs> uh, so as to not pay the whole amount. 
uh, I shouldn't say I told them, guys, because I switched off the miners. I told them, please check again. There must be something wrong with the electricity bill. So uh, anyway, I didn't have to pay the full amount. Thankfully, I paid a, a good uh, a good amount of it anyway. So yeah, the miners were switched off, and um, I had some uh, you know inefficient equipment lying around. I couldn't do anything uh, with it. The hash rate was already too high. So yeah, that uh, ended my journey as a as a miner. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the other hand. Uh, another journey started. Uh, another journey, meaning uh, I get to learn so much about uh, Bitcoin. And uh, in the year 2017, uh, that was another, uh, yes, it was another crazy period with uh, all the initial coin offerings and this and that. Uh, so, yeah, we started a new journey when it comes to uh shitcoin trading so excuse my french but this is what the hour is we're no filters so you're free to use that word on this podcast yeah so it was it was very interesting it's a very exciting times so uh some investments uh, did really well others uh, got me erect uh, yes but uh it is what it is the name of the game right sometimes you win sometimes you lose it was the name of the game. At, uh, at that point, uh, you know, after this ICO craze that we witnessed in 2017, uh, there was a lot of uh, interest going on around currencies, around the technology. Um, I'm going to make a small pause and go a little bit back a short time and um, give you a little bit of uh, context because it it's, it's some really nice stories. Mm. Uh, I remember my days uh, I was working as a financial dealer you know, within these uh, big forex companies. And um, when I was telling my, my co-workers, guys, uh, you should look into Bitcoin. You should uh, really research it and see what's going on. And they were asking me, what's your involvement with it? I was telling them that uh, I'm a miner. I have some uh, machinery up at my home. I'm mining this thing. And they they didn't, you know... Take it serious. They didn't take it seriously mm-hmm. in the beginning. Uh, some found it funny, some found it f- fascinating, but uh, yeah, it was uh, like a gossip uh, within the, the room, room. yeah within the company that uh, this guy, this BG guy, is doing uh, this at home, and uh, it was also at the time when you had uh, you know a lot of fad when it comes to the Bitcoin energy consumption. Mm. Some people were very sensitive about uh, saving the planet and how Bitcoin is gonna destroy the environment and all this stuff. So I was trying to set the record straight. I was trying to, you know, tell them that this is not the case. Actually, it might even help with the energy, uh, you know, the yeah. energy grid. But it was quite funny because uh, from uh, from the laughing stock, uh, at some point uh, when the Bitcoin price pumped, they they lost it in 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 the sense that uh, they came back. Some people came back to me and told me, "You're right, man." And uh, fast forward to today, uh, yeah. We still see pumps and dumps, still see Bitcoin reaching, you know, 70,000 almost uh, last year, dumping again to below 20s. Um, and the market is just, uh, you know, provides two lots of opportunities. Yeah. But if you're not smart about it, if you don't take, uh, you know, your measures to safeguard your wealth, hey. then uh, you need to be, you know, ready for a big roller coaster ride. As we have, if I may interrupt, as we have seen with the 
Lunas and FTXs and yeah. still happening, right? Uh, MC Gox, as we spoke in the beginning, was a decade ago and it's still happening today and people are still holding thousands if not millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin yep. and other shitcoins on crypto exchanges, which is uh, which is pretty crazy, no? It is pretty crazy, but uh, this is how we grew up. Uh, we were born in an environment where, uh, you know, you keep custody of your world to, to third parties like banks and uh, there is some sort of trust in mm. that. But history has shown us that we cannot trust banks. We cannot trust any centralized entity. There's one famous quote, right, if I'm not mistaken, which Mr. BG likes, don't trust but verify. Don't trust, verify. And not your keys, not your coins. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we are in uh, in Cyprus right now. We've seen what happened in 2013 True. in Cyprus. And uh, I think that... Um, Big wake-up call. That was uh, a major catalyst in, uh, the, in the price of Bitcoin yeah. in another day. And that the, the fact that you've seen... Uh, the deposits of people being uh, taken away from slashed over. Yeah, slashed over, and some people, you know, had, the, had their life savings in the banks, and uh, they were they are only left with a hundred k. Some people, but may have you know large families and so generational wealth that was reserved for the future generations that had got wiped out with sack with someone's decision. So it is the first time in history where we have such a technology to be able to transfer uh, wealth, uh, you know, through our own keys, through through code, through mathematics, through the laws of uh, nature. Becoming a self-sovereign individual, which was never possible in, in the digital world until Bitcoin. It was, it was not possible. And uh, again, we need to, uh, you know, differentiate between the different consensus mechanisms because uh, proof of work is not like proof of stake. Yeah. And um, maybe I'm a little bit uh, maxi in a way when I say this. So you're a perfect guest then to kick it off with us because we like maxis. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say I'm, I, I am a Bitcoin maxi as such because um, there is a small percentage of my portfolio that's allocated. Let's rephrase it to Bitcoin true believer. Yes, uh, I would say that. I would say that uh, is the most accurate uh, description. Uh, I keep around 95% of my total net worth in Bitcoin e. and the other 5% in other Diversified in other assets. In other assets. But it's only the 5% that it's like, uh, I don't know, sometimes I feel of it like uh, gambling money in a way, uh, if I can say that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, Bitcoin is the best uh, opportunity we have right now in order to uh, pres preserve wealth, to take... And edge ourselves against what's happening on exactly. political and financial spectrum. It's uh, also a, ma a macro hedge, very important uh, point. Mm. And uh, the technology is just now starting to, to take off. I mean, the, the Bitcoin protocol uh, will evolve. It will have... Uh, it will become, let's say, the main protocol where uh, we will have identity, Maybe we will have uh, non-fungible tokens with these uh, new uh, ordinals being yeah. minted on the Bitcoin uh, uh, network. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, the Lightning Network I was, also. I was going to say, so this is one point I wanted to mention. It's it's people just think like Bitcoin as, as a store of value and that's it, that you can't be reused for nothing. But Bitcoin can have many different layers and layers so as Lightning, which, which we mentioned, I think that's a great example to show that it's a perfect means of everyday exchange that you can pay for things. And then, you, as you said, identity, 
and you know non-fungible assets could also be different layers that could be built on top of it so like exactly so we need to consider bitcoin as a protocol as a technology a fundamental technology that uh, actually shapes the way they that internet is uh, structured mm. today and uh, we are decentralizing the power away from uh, you know uh, in entities and uh, centralized uh, tech giants yeah so yeah i'm all for it uh, i can't wait to see more developments uh, taking place um, and uh, i don't really think that uh, people say that we need regulation in order to have adoption but i don't really think that's the case anymore um people need to be aware of the potential of the technology how that uh, regulation might not even be uh, let's say the the panacea uh, the solution for uh, all the problems that we see in the space and um, especially when we are creating laws and regulations that involve a lot of uh, influence by centralized parties i think that's just making things uh, worse so I, tru- I truly believe that uh, code uh, is the, the rule uh, when it comes to, to these protocols and that the regulations may be a little bit uh, overrated. However, you still need the, the fiat on-ramps. Mm. You still need people uh, having access uh, to, to these assets. And uh, many regulators around the world are uh, considering to have like a, a global approach to how to, to deal with all this situation. But uh, history has shown that uh, that the nation states that come about with too much regulation uh, on on these uh, digital assets, essentially they are shooting themselves on, on their feet. With it, the, yeah. yeah. So businesses, people, we go to other jurisdictions where, where they can actually be free to to purchase these assets, whether with uh, KYC or not. I mean, the other the other day I was reading about uh, Binance uh, having to uh, stop uh, deposits in the U.S. dollar for under a hundred thousand. For under a hundred thousand, so big news. It's quite big news, and it just shows you that uh, they are giving more power again to institutions in order to be able to buy these assets and uh, you know hoard them for for the future. Yeah, I mean. I don't think that uh, having these rules will protect any investor in Innovate because if they want to invest in it, they will find a way, whether it's uh, with uh, dollars or through other people, the yeah, West, or, yeah. or peer-to-peer. So they don't really help. Uh, they just try to centralize power again towards uh, institutions and, uh, and the various uh, entities. And uh, we are living very, very interesting times. Another point has to do with the European regulations and a potential MICA. The MICA, yeah, and uh, the discussions around a potential ban on proof of work uh, consensus mechanisms. So they are trying to promote uh, proof of stake as a sustainable alternative, but they are really missing the right. the point. <laughs> there is they're missing the point because uh, proof of stake you are actually promoting plutocracy yeah. in the day. And uh, I don't really believe that um, what what kind of dangers they have been, uh, you know, preaching for twenty plus years around the climate change is is really the truth. Mm-hmm. I believe that uh, this narrative uh, comes to you know create and take away more uh, control 
uh, is pushing uh, a climate agenda that uh, you know they they're trying to basically uh, measure how much uh, carbon emissions each one of us uh, is 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 emitting and don't fart BG because you will be taxed for it. Well, unfortunately, that's how they want it. Yeah, this is where the world is going to. Uh, we'll we'll see maybe digital identities uh, connected uh, with these uh, carbon emissions, and uh, it's truly a really a nightmare. Hey. And especially one thing that we didn't even mention, but maybe we could just touch the surface. CBDCs, right? CBDC. This is the next thing that they oh, want, right? To have a CBDC, you need to have also digital identity. Yeah. And it was about CBDCs. It's so funny because uh, the other day I was reading about the Bank of England. So the Bank of England, they're um, discussing about the rollout of their new CBDC. And uh, they mentioned that there will be some rules mm. uh, within the CBDCs that uh, they will not allow savings. Hoarding. Yes, savings. So the Bank of Japan is talking about the same thing. But um, when you go back into the textbooks, all right, and you look at what is money and the three main functions of money, you will find out that uh, money serves as a unit of account, mm-hmm. a medium of exchange, and a store of value. So if you are prohibiting people from savings uh, through CBDC, how does that serve the three functions of money? So they are kind of destroying money. Mm-hmm. In a sense, they're trying to promote this uh, consumption-driven uh, economies and uh, without any, any savings. So what is the alternative? The orange pill. The orange pill is the only alternative right now, uh, in my opinion. Fortunately or unfortunately. Yes, you have only 21 million coins ever going to be in existence, hardly taken to code. I have proof of work that... Right. Uh, you the know, only and last, I believe, blockchain that is work. Uh, I mean, proof of work, right? Everything else well, is you have stake. You have proof of stake. Okay, you have also other protocols that are uh, utilizing proof of work, even even Litecoin still on on proof of work, which is all, and it's also quite uh, decentralized when it comes to its uh, you know uh, infrastructure. There's some other coins out there that try to combine proof of work with uh, artificial intelligence. So you have uh, Bitcoin-like coins that we saw what happened to Luna with uh, AI speculations and uh, trying to do algorithmic staking. Uh, Last week has been crazy with all the uh, shit coins that uh, carry an AI within their concept uh, pumping like crazy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this has also to do with the... All synthetic, right? Because at the end of the day, nobody's really controlling it. It's uh, it's pretty much wild, wild, wild west when you implement this AI factor in into this new technology well there's some quite interesting projects out there uh, i mean you you there are some projects i'm not gonna name them but uh, basically you have a proof of work and uh, the miners basically what they're doing they're uh, trying to mine computational resources for uh, artificial intelligence so they're from giving out these resources for machine learning Okay. Yes, so you are decentralizing instead of having one tech giant controlling an AI like Microsoft with ChatGPT. Yeah, yeah. You have uh, thousands of nodes all over the world that are contributing this uh, computing power in order to, to build the AI. Yeah. Which uh, I think is great news. Uh, it's something that uh, needs to take place in order to democratize also the artificial intelligence and have it free from uh, censorship. I don't know if you played around with uh, ChatGPT nowadays. Hopefully we do it. It's, it's like a, unless you're living under a rock. I mean, uh, yeah, but you must have. 
my impression out of it is like it is a, a woke robot because uh, I mean it's all over the internet. If you see some prompts, uh, they're they're asking the ChatGPT to give some input on uh, on Joe Biden, for example. Yeah, yeah. Says the most beautiful word. Or the about. Trump ones. Either. Yeah, but if, if if you're asking him about Trump, uh, that is not allowed. It's like uh, it's taboo. It's, 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 it's taboo. <laughs> so it, it, it's a little bit interesting when it comes to these new technologies and how they're shaping the world, and a little bit dangerous. Mm. I mean, uh, if, if people nowadays they're starting to use ChatGPT. And uh, you will have all these browsers incorporating the artificial intelligence within the search results. Yeah. This might be dangerous in the sense that if you train the AI to censor some news and uh, don't censor others, you are shaping opinions. Yeah. And on a large scale, this can be very dangerous. But that's quintessentially what big media and social media giants have been doing, essentially already, no? Uh, yes. But now it's unleashed. They're uh, you know, they are expanding their propaganda within their various tools and uh, talking about propaganda, I already mentioned about, I, I personally believe that climate change is one of the biggest scams. Well, mutual, yeah, it's a big hoax. I mean, very big. And I, I, I feel under my skin how we're going to soon have lockdowns for it to save the climate, which will be the next thing. But let's leave that uh, topic for another for another day I, I want to bring back um steer back the the conversation to what you mentioned which is a very good point about the three quintessentially pillars of money right the preservation of wealth and means of exchange and you kind of said with CBDCs they they and unit of account that they want to essentially eradicate that but to a certain extent fiat has already eradicated that because it's backed by nothing it's devalued every single day but the only thing that CBD changes, CBDCs change, is that they can finally have full control on. They can, with a press of a button, stop you from shopping at the Costco's, at the Amazons, and so forth, depending on your political rights or how good you are. And that's scary. It is scary. And uh, one has to look at uh, China to imagine how the European future might uh, look like in the future, you know. Because I'm sure that the guys in Brussels, I, I keep it a close eye on what's happening in China and doing the research and, and but so I was watching some videos about China and uh, now they get to pay with their face so mm. yes yeah, so I guess I saw that at the petrol station I saw a petrol station or supermarket anywhere they just have cameras everywhere and they can show that. their face they will scan it they will connect it with their identity with their wallet and be able to deduct money uh, from the wallet for, uh, you know. so we, we, WeChat has your face in it as well now well, it's, it's a little bit crazy, man. And uh, if you see what's going on... Full Orwellian state. It's full Orwellian state. Have, have you been to London lately? Lately, no. But I, I used to live many years. It was already back then, the most surveillance. Dude, there's nowhere you could go. I'll tell you a fact. So I lived in London a decade ago, in 2011. And back then, they said on average, every day when on your commute to your work or your university, mm -hmm. you were captured on between 1,500 to 3,000 cameras every day. So it was 10 years ago, and I'm sure now in 2023, there's even more cameras. And it's just, it's very scary that every move is monitored. Every move is monitored. And uh, honestly, you're feeling under the state of uh, constant surveillance all the time. Or you see no freedom. No freedom. freedom for others is, a, is a made up concept, essentially. Yes, and it's another, it's another way for them to be able to extort people. 
when it comes to fines. Uh, I mean, look at all these traffic cameras. If you, if your car, you know, if if you step on the on the white line, you immediately get yeah. a fine. Immediately get a fine. Yeah. Or if you're caught up in the middle of the junction and uh, the light is changing and the, it's so much traffic, you haven't been able to to turn in time. Again, you get fined. So. I don't know. Is this the future that we want to be able to live under a constant uh, state of uh, monitoring and uh, fear all the time? Because I don't know. Nowadays, when I'm driving in town and there's cameras everywhere, I just have more stress, mm. more and more stress. And it's a certain paranoia, right? That yeah. who's watching? Why is it watching? What's going to happen? And we never chose that. There was never a vote. Never a vote on a camera or not. Just this uh, unelected uh, criminals, yeah. because this is where what they are, in my True. opinion. White I'm, I'm not talking about every one of them, but um, I think that there are some exceptions, that there are some good people trying to do good stuff, but most of the people there, they're just there to put money in their pocket, and uh, they are able to break the law without any consequences. And it's a bit of an oxymoron with the, where we are in at the moment in Europe. In this continent, we have a law called uh, GDPR law, right? Yeah. Uh, what I don't give my, uh, essentially nobody asks for my consent to be recorded in the streets and be penalized if I do something legal or illegal, right? So, and if I, as a, let's say as a citizen, want to record, have a camera recorder in my car, that's illegal. But uh, for me to be recorded, that's legal, right? So it's very double standards. But BG, let, uh, I think we also went into a little dark corner of, of Orwellian, which is good for people to kind of have a wake-up call. And Because a lot of people kind of, I, I believe, in a busy life, especially with the, you know, this op- omni world of you have your telegrams on your computer, your your phones hitting all these in- uh, notifications, the TVs and everything. We, we kind of, we, we get lost in all of this. We, we don't have a big picture. But I want to take it to a more positive light and, and kind of to, to close it up and, and, and have your opinion on what's your opinion on what El Salvador has proven now. It's been officially a year now that Bitcoin became uh, an official legal tender in the country. And, and I'm sure you've been keeping up with the developments and what's happening. But I want to hear your opinions on, on that. Well, I've been looking at uh, El Salvador. I uh, was also having uh, various discussions with friends of mine and uh... Some of them were uh, pro for the decision to make uh, Bitcoin a legal tender. Other people saw some uh, negative points when it comes to volatility or uh, the debt that the Salvador took in order to to get uh, all those uh, Bitcoins and they were in loss at some point. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think of it as a very positive um development in the space uh, i think that other countries will follow suit especially countries that uh, they want to you know uh, get out of their the dollar system the us dollar system now you have also talks of other countries like the brics looking to de-dollarize their, their infrastructure and uh, maybe even uh, accept uh, you know other currencies yeah for uh, their transactions or even Bitcoin in the end of the day. So yeah, uh, El Salvador is a very interesting uh, story that is uh, developing in real time. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, their president, uh, Nayib uh, Bukele, uh, is phenomenal. He's phenomenal, phenomenal. yeah, he's, uh, he's a real character. And he's been orange filled from a long time. People don't realize that for like 2000, I believe 2014, 15, he was talking on Twitter about Bitcoin. So it's not yeah. like he, he got brainwashed or whatever people want to call it. It's, he's been following the story for a long time. 
He's been following the story for a long time. He's on, uh, you know, he has been targeted lately. Also, the country has been targeted by the Financial Action Task Force, uh, by the IML. IMF. Yes. But the World Bank, they don't like what they, Mr. Buchanan is doing. They really don't like what's, uh, what's happening over there. They don't want other countries to take uh, their example. But I think it is inevitable. Uh, that other countries will, will jump in on this uh, bandwagon. Yeah. I really uh, believe that uh, there will be a Bitcoin standard in the not so distant future. future, and uh, especially when uh, when we have again the the debt ceiling uh, reaching uh, you know uh, reach, being reached in the United States, they have to extend uh, the debt uh, and all these things that uh, they are funding. So it's uh, I think it's inevitable. At some point, we will enter hyperinflation stage. Uh, Arguably, we are already in a... I think that we're already... Yeah, 9%, I don't believe it. My bills from last year, I don't know how your bills, but they've doubled on like across the board, so... And especially if you, if you want to, you know, live a decent life, like uh, eat healthy, if yeah. you don't want to eat all the junk that they're uh, pushing all the time, if you don't want to eat bugs... Uh, you really need to make a lot of money uh, at the end of the day. I agree with you that uh, my, my bills also doubled from, from yeah. last year. Yeah. I don't have enough money in the end of the month to buy enough Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Thank God that the prices are a little bit lower now. But uh, yeah, my um, to leave for to, to close uh, with an optimistic yeah. uh, note, I think that uh, Bitcoin adoption is inevitable, that uh, we will see the Bitcoin standard uh, becoming a part of um uh, you know of the central bank's uh, portfolio like gold was in the past yeah. and that uh, eventually we will see more decentralization happening in the space uh, a lot of institutions losing their power in in ways that the technology can uh, substitute uh, what they're doing and that uh, the bridge the, the future is bright but we also need to work towards that bright future. We need to fight. We to need make to, it bright. We need to fight. We need to educate people. We need to promote the use of this technology. Uh, make people understand what makes it so special. Why is it different than uh, than any other coin out there, like uh, Ethereum or uh, Polkadot, or Cardano's or whatever, Cardano's or whatever shit coins. And uh, from then on, also to create. Uh, a notion of personal responsibility, especially for our kids. Mm. So in the beginning of the podcast, we said that uh, we grew up and uh, our mentality was to always give out the, the responsibility of preserving our wealth to third parties. Mm -hmm. Now we come and we say that history has shown us that we cannot do that anymore, mm. that uh, nobody is to be trusted, do not trust, but verify. And now is the only time in history that we actually have the technology to solve these issues that uh, I believe uh, are creating so much, uh, you know, uh, torment and suffering in the world because they have robbed us of the ability to preserve wealth, either through inflation or other means. Or taxation. Or taxation, or fines, or whatever you want to call it. So... Let's hope that uh, humanity's future will be brighter with the use of decentralized applications and technologies. 
Perfect. Well, I, I think you summed it very well, uh, BG. I, I was going to ask you with a closing remark, but you kind of, you, you read my mind. You, you went with a closing remark. But anything else you want to leave our uh, listeners to kind of with, with the last point? Well, my last point would be to invest also in knowledge. Uh, get to learn, get to understand, uh, spread the word. Experience. Experience. Don't go uh, crazy with uh, shit coins. We all know the, the history against the BTC. They always end up to zero, just like any fiat currency. So, yeah, start with uh, education. Start with knowledge. Invest in yourself. Become a better person. And uh, pass the torch on to other people so we can make this world a better place. You couldn't have said it better, BG. Thanks a lot for taking the time to joining us today. Um, and we definitely uh, look forward to having you back in the future as, as we progress in, uh, to the orange world that, that we're building. And the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of What is Your Bitcoin Story podcast. Remember to subscribe and share with your friends and family. For more valuable Bitcoin resources, visit our website at whatisyourbitcoinstory.com. Keep stacking sats, stay safe, spread the Bitcoin revolution.